to be here. I come with my heart full of expectation for things that the Lord wants to reveal to us and open our eyes to see in depth things that we haven't been able to see yet. So today is the last teaching of our uh, sermon series on cultivating emotionally healthy relationship closer. And I just, you know, I really like interaction. So I ask you guys to please cooperate with me here, okay? <laughs> just as a, with a show of hands, who here understands that it's a healthy thing to listen to others in your relationship? We understand that? Okay, good, okay. Um, do you enjoy hearing a no? <laughs> Somebody does. Awesome. Do you enjoy saying no? Some, some people don't have that trouble. Do you um, enjoy compliments? Who likes compliments? Yes, okay, words of encouragement, that's good. All right, last one. Is it okay to disappoint others? Maybe, medium, okay. You maybe got getting a feeling of where I'm going here. See, okay, we have this thing inside of us that we don't want to say no, we don't want to disappoint people, right? We want to listen to what they have to say, we want to validate people, we want to show love, we want to show kindness. Well, today what we're going to be talking about is when this goes a little bit too far. Can we go too far? with showing kindness to others. See, there's this thing called an unhealthy people-pleasing that we very often mistake as love. And especially in Christian communities, we think that loving people means you're just doing everything to them all the time and you don't want to ever disappoint anybody. But is that true? Somebody, sometimes love says no. Sometimes it is healthy not to listen. What? Sometimes it is good to disappoint someone. That's what we're going to be diving in today. And why? Why is it so hard to admit that? Okay, let's start with this passage we're going to be... Uh, Diving into today in Mark 1, verse 35, where it says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Can you visualize what's happening here? Jesus' popularity was growing. His fame was getting to people's ears. They heard of all that he was doing, the people that he was healing, and people were coming in bunches. It didn't say here a few people were there or many people were there. It says everyone was there. Everyone. It's a lot of people. And they were looking for Jesus. But Jesus wasn't overcome by that kind of attention, but that kind of fame and popularity. What did he respond to the fact that everyone was looking for him? He says, when the disciples say, said, everyone is looking for you, Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else. That's, you know what a great idea is? I'll go to another place. I don't know about you, but if I'm the one overseeing the writing of the Bible, I would say, Mark, just keep that part out. That's not looking good on Jesus. That's not really cool. Everyone is looking for him, and his response was, let's go somewhere else. What is going on here? Doesn't this give the impression that he didn't care? Everyone needed him, but... He didn't have any hard time at all displeasing people. Doesn't that look unloving? See, Jesus, I think that was a little bit embarrassing. That wasn't very Christ-like of you to do that. See, I think so often we misunderstand what, how love is different than being driven by people. Jesus had this concept very clear in his mind that loving people didn't mean being driven by them. He knew what he was supposed to do, and he was able to take actions that were a little bit displeasing. See, and it wasn't just in this instance. If you read through the Gospels, just any Gospel, you're going to see that Jesus came against the spiritual leaders he confronted them and disturbed their theology, which was messed up. He did not say what these leaders wanted him to say. He was not approved by the people in his hometown who said, you're just a carpenter. He did not listen to what they had to say about him. He was not approved by them. See, Jesus, he disappointed the crowds when they came full of expectations toward him for him to be their earthly Messiah and deliver them from the Roman oppression. Jesus knew that was not the reason why he came. And by taking certain actions that were aligned with the will of the Father, he disappointed the crowds. And he even disappointed his friends, the disciples who were trying to get him away from being killed, away from the cross. They're like, Jesus, don't do that. And he didn't listen to his friends. See, 
we get messed up in our minds when we start to think that love is listening to every voice around us and following what everybody is saying and being driven by all these expectations, all people's needs and wants. And we see Jesus modeling here an example of having clarity of what's supposed to be done and not fearing disappointing people for the sake of what was true. He wasn't being rude. He was living with integrity. See, sometimes when we enter this place of overly people pleasing, you can deceive, you can, we, we deceive ourselves sometimes and we say, oh, you know, I just want them to feel so loved, right? I'll do anything and everything they want because I want them to know how much I love them. When in reality, your actions of kindness are not in order to make sure the other is loved, but for you to ensure that you are still loved by them. What is driving our actions in pleasing people is to maintain, to build, to build and to keep a reputation in how people see us. Why do we want to do all the good things and keep people happy all the time at all costs? Because we care about what they think of us. That's not kindness out of love. That's kindness out of fear. And then you have this fear of what people think about you and their opinion about you, and you put this nice mask around your fear that is called kindness. And you go around seeing yourself and portraying yourself as a very kind person when in reality you are enslaved to this fear of what people are thinking about you. And to the point that sometimes you omit, you hide your true thoughts, your opinions, you're unable to express yourself. You're that person that it, everything is okay because by no means you want to disturb or disappoint anybody. See, Jesus, he was extremely loving. He showed enormous grace and love to people like we will never do. But he never did anything out of fear of what people would think of him. He, in fact, did many things that made people think very bad things about him. But he wasn't afraid of people's thoughts about him. See, I talked to uh, two friends of mine uh, who are counselors and just discussing this whole topic. And they both said, you know, it is a human thing. It is human for us to want to be loved, to be approved by people. We, we want to be approved. We want to be loved. It's human. The problem is, where are you looking for this approval? Where are you looking for approval? Now, I stand here today and speak of this as something that is very real in my heart. You know, sometimes we're here and we share of struggles that we have, that we have conquered. And here's how I overcame this problem. And we share the testimonies of the great things God has done. But sometimes we share of an ongoing journey 
that we face each day. And this is one for me, that each day I have to intentionally choose if I'm going to listen to what people have to say about me. See, a few months ago, um, a series of events happened and it made me feel like I wasn't approved by others and I didn't feel validated by others. And that really messed up with my heart, with my identity, I was really struggling and I was talking about it with my friends and with my husband and as I was processing all my feelings and what all had happened, God gave me this picture of a cane and I was holding this cane and the cane was taken away and I collapsed. And I knew exactly what that cane represented. It was that need of approval of others. See, when you are so rely, relying so much on people's approval of you, but you get it, you get that affirmation, you get the compliments, you get the encouragement, then it's great, right? You almost don't perceive that that problem is there until that gets taken away. And then what happens? You fall, you fall down. And it was so encouraging to me because the Spirit said, look at you. You don't need this cane. Let go of this cane. You can stand by yourself and me. See, the problem with, with affirmation from people and approval from people, it's when you need it. It becomes a problem when you're dependent on it, when you're addicted to it, much like anything else in life, right? There's so many things that are good, but they become bad once you need it to stand, when you're relying everything that you are in it. Facing this problem, I ask the Lord, what do I do with this, God? And this is the question that I'm bringing to you guys today. How can we deal with this in a healthy way? And as I was praying, the Lord gave me this picture of a tree, just this very strong tree by the streams of waters and strong roots, and it was a beautiful, strong tree. And it took me to uh, Psalm 1, where it says that blessed are those that are not, in other words, in paraphrasing, not listening to what everybody says, but founded in my words. This person is like a tree planted by the waters that is giving fruits. See, God's heart is that we are not planted in what people are saying, but in what he is saying. So the first principle today is be rooted in God's word. This is how we fight this need and this addiction for people's approval. Let's go back to Mark 1 to see what Jesus did. Before anything happened, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, he left the house, and he went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
See, before Jesus was able to resist the external pressures and people's expectations of what he should do, where he should go, and who he should be, he took off to a solitary place, a place of prayer with the Father. See, I'm sure you guys can relate to this. When things are blurry and confused in your mind and you go back to the Father and you go to that place of solitude with Him and you reset your heart, you say, God, I want to find my identity in you. As a child of God, we find in His voice that foundation that will build our lives and who we are. And once we have that uh, level of security in him, in listening to his voice, his truths about you, you know, God has made you uniquely in a way like nobody else. But if we're listening to what everybody's saying, that can corrupt, that can destroy this thing that God ha has put in you. And it's important that we go back to him and be reminded of who we are in him. See, Jesus actually, uh, interestingly, interestingly enough, he asked the disciples once, who do you guys say I am? And when we ask these questions to people, literally or not, we are looking for the answers. Who do you say I am? Now, Jesus asked the disciples, who do you say I am? But he held the right answer. He wasn't waiting for people to tell him who he is because he was rooted in the Father's words. See, he wasn't relying on that cane of people's approval. He knew his identity in the Lord. This, um, this topic of approval also makes me think, of something you guys might have thought about. Every once in a while, you're, you have that glimpse of ability to look at people and say, well, who, who are they to determine my worth, right? Who are people to approve or disapprove of you? People don't carry the authority to approve or disapprove of you. Much like when you're driving around town and you're looking at somebody that doesn't have very good driving skills, and as much as you would like to do something about that poor driver, you don't have the authority to pull them over and hand them a ticket, right? People, the, the police officer carries that authority. You don't carry that authority. Many years ago when I was in college, I didn't know how to cook, okay? I had never cooked. And I was halfway through college, and that's when I came here to America from Brazil. And when I came to America, I discovered this new thing that I had never seen before, and it was boxed mac and cheese. <laughs> I had never had mac and cheese before in my life, and I thought, this is brilliant. There's this powder that suddenly turns into sauce. It's a little questionable, but that's very helpful for people like me who doesn't know how to cook, right? 
So me and mac and cheese became best friends. And my roommates, I, I, the first time I cooked, I thought, you know, it probably would be really good to sprinkle some shredded cheese on top. So I added some actual cheese on top of it. And my roommates ate it and they said, oh my gosh, you make the best mac and cheese in the world. And it was craft mac and cheese, you know. There was nothing special about the mac and cheese. Well, fast forward a couple months later, it was my rotation in our ministry to cook for this event that we had where we welcomed all our leaders and pastors and we had to cook for 20 to 30 people. And it was my turn to cook. And I'm like, they have no idea what they're doing. They should not put me in charge of this. They're like, no, you have to do this. It's your rotation. So I thought, I have a great idea. My roommate said that my mac and cheese tastes like mac and cheese from a restaurant. So I'm just gonna make mac and cheese for this group of 30 people of our leaders that are coming over and we're hosting them in this special evening. And I bought like 25 boxes of Kraft mac and cheese and I cooked mac and cheese for them that night. And it's not even that I tried to make like an extra side or something special, that was it. It was the mac and cheese. <laughs> and to top it all, I overcooked it. You think you can't ruin boxed mac and cheese, but hey, you can. It was pretty bad. And throughout the evening, I was watching people kind of, you know, politely trying to shove as much as they could to not look so badly, but there were a lot, a lot leftovers. There are two parts of this story. The first part is what my roommate, my roommate's opinion and approval of my cooking was not reliable, okay? <laughs> People's opinion can be very wrong sometimes, and I trusted in their opinion and did not look good. The second part of this story is, even though it was terribly disappointing and nobody enjoyed that meal, I very much was disapproved by everybody that night, and yet I felt approved by the Father how is that possible that after that disaster, I went home proud? Because see, I said, Father, I'm so embarrassed right now. And he said, I see your effort. This was the best that you could have done today. I saw all the work that you put into it. You did not chicken out. You could have run away. You didn't. You're brave to try. You took the risk. You worked hard. It was hard to fit 25 boxes of mac and cheese in a pot. <laughs> he saw my heart and how hard I worked that night. And the disapproval of men and people did not mean to me that night the disapproval of God. See, Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're working for the Lord, not for human masters, 
since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ that you are serving. Who are we serving? In everything that you do, when you're trying to please people, when you're trying to get the approval of people, when you're making people masters of you instead of God being your masters. Everything you do, you do it for the Lord because he, he has the authority to approve you or not. Your actions, of course, he welcomes you and he values you, but your actions, people may have many opinions, but ultimately they don't carry the power of authority to approve or not of you. We need to be rooted in the Father, rooted in the Father's word about you, not people's words about you. Let go of that cane. Don't rely on that cane of people's opinions about you. Live to be approved, not by everyone, but by one, the Lord. See, this whole principle of being rooted in what the Lord says, it covers the inside of us, right? It covers the struggles that we have in our hearts. But there's a second part of dealing with this tendency of people pleasing and seeking for approval. And that is the second principle here that we're going to look at today, which is set healthy boundaries. Once you have worked through these issues in your heart, it's time to go out and deal with it in the external. See, maybe you have uh, had a hard time establishing healthy boundaries in the past because you have skipped this part of your heart. And it is pretty hard for you to try to establish a healthy boundary in your relationship unless you have addressed these things in your heart. So let's go back to Mark 1 and see what Jesus did. When they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you, and Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. See, we see two um, actions going on here. When they heard of people's uh, pressures and needs and wants coming toward Jesus and say, we need you. The disciples immediately reacted and said, then that's what we need to do. Now, Jesus, who had spent time with the Father, he said, I actually have to go to another town. That is why I have come. See, once Jesus had that clarity of his identity and of his mission and what the Lord wanted him to do and did not want him to do, he was able to set that line because he knew it was his call to make. See, boundaries in relationships, I always saw this as a very separating thing. It was, it, I felt like it was very anti-loving. It's not very caring. But I came to understand that, understand that boundaries in relationships are very much like boundaries in property. See, if you have a house and you see the fence around the house, that simply gives you clarity of what belongs to you, what doesn't belong to you, where you end, where your neighbor begins. 
what you have control of, what you don't have control of, what you're responsible for, and what you're not responsible for, and what other people are not responsible for. See, Jesus had the clarity that the other people around him were not the ones to make the call about what he was going to do or not. And see, it's important that you see that we're talking about Jesus' man, right? It's not that you're going to come to God and he's going to say, I'm busy. This is Jesus modeling humanity to us, how it's for us to live life here on earth, okay? And having clarity of these boundaries. Now, if you're driving your car and you see a red light, you don't think that the red, the red light is rude. You understand that by stopping, you're providing safety to yourself and to the people around you. And you may very well keep moving forward when the light turns green, green and permission is granted for you to keep going. See, sometimes the lines get blurry when it comes to relationship. It's so much easier to understand in this analogy of the home if your neighbor's sprinkler is leaking you know that it's not for you to fix it. It's your neighbor's responsibility to fix it, right? We understand we can offer help. We can offer tips. But ultimately, it's your neighbor's property to take care of. It's his ownership. But sometimes in relationships, we start taking ownership of things that are not ours or we're letting people take control of things that are not theirs to control, and especially if you're way too concerned with what they're gonna think about you at the end of the day, then you really just throw it all up in the air and there's no boundary to hold. See, this thing of control is something that we struggle so much but a controlling person, if that's something that you're struggling with, if you feel like your need to get people's approval and your tendency for people pleasing is because you have controlling people in your life and you don't know how to deal with that, here's something you need to know about controlling people. They can try to control. When will they succeed? when you grant them the control, right? They may try to control, but they will only become controlling when you give them that power. Dr. Henry Cloud, who wrote all the boundaries books, such great material, if you feel like boundaries is something you need to go deeper, please uh, read his stuff, or there's a lot of YouTube videos too that are really cool. And there's this one about control where he said, turn a controlling person into a frustrated person. Because if they're trying to control you but you don't give them that power, you're gonna convert them from controlling to frustrated because they're not getting what they want, right? It's important that we understand what we were given control of. God gave you your heart for you to protect, not for other people to control. Do you see the difference between loving and being dominated and driven by others? It's a huge difference. It's something that we have to clear in our understanding that this is not an act of love. Respectfully, 
assert your boundaries and remind people of what's under their responsibility and what's not. Pastor Allen talked last week about parents of grown children. I don't think I'll even go there. It's too big of a topic to cover. But think about it, parents. Try to prayerfully see what's under your responsibility and what's not. And exercise giving freedom and ownership, not just to your children, but to people around you. See, sometimes this pressure, the, the peer pressure, right? Maybe people are not intensely controlling you, but you experience peer pressure in relationships around you. Maybe, maybe you're in school and you see your friends doing things that you feel pressured to do that. How do you deal uh, with that kind of pressure and decision making? Sometimes you start pretending and you start acting differently in different groups of people because you want to be accepted by them while you're not drawing that clear boundary. And you're lacking in integrity and in wearing this mask, pretending to be somebody that you're not because you're trying to please these, this group of people. See, I want to give you a, an example. If you are invited to a, a movie, to watch a movie with your friends, okay? And you know that it's a movie that you're not gonna feel okay, you're gonna be bothered by whatever the themes are or the ratings or whatever, but you go anyway because, you know, you don't wanna bother anybody. You're not being truthful to your convictions, to your opinions, to your thoughts. And Jesus really cares that we live in integrity, that the things that we're doing on the outside match our heart on the inside. Don't say it's okay when things are not okay. Don't allow yourself to be hurt or manipulated all because you want to be approved by all. Seek to be approved by one. See, the prayer that I have been praying the most is, Father, search my heart. Search my heart. Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I saying what I'm saying? Search my heart because there are so many times that I can't see, but my Father can see what's truly going on. See, after the picture of the cane, I started to realize that everything that I was thinking that people were thinking about me, nobody had actually said anything. The more I thought, the more I realized that it was assumptions that I was making in my head. And as Pastor Ellen addressed a few weeks ago, it was the stories I was telling myself. And I realized that it was all simply a reflection of my own insecurities. See, I am being so raw right now and vulnerable with you because I believe I am not the only person in this room that deals with this. How often do our insecurities create these lenses through which everything around us gets filtered and we feel inferior, disapproved, not loved? And we start catering our actions to desperately seek for this love and approval out of fear. 
I pray, God, search our hearts. What is triggering these things in me? It's maybe feeling rejected. Maybe you lost a job or you applied for the job that you didn't get or criticism or simply people having different opinions than you and you already feel that way. Or maybe you find yourself seeking status and you find your worth by social media responses or fame or attention. Or maybe you, you start to notice that in everything you're doing, you're second-guessing yourself. And all of this because you're so concerned with what people are thinking about you. Jesus, search my heart. As we continue to pursue this kind of growth into being emotionally healthy and experiencing emotionally healthy relationship, be rooted in God's words about you, not people's words. And be confident in him. Find your confidence in him to set these healthy boundaries that will protect you and protect people around you. And through the Holy Spirit, I pray that we may all live our lives not seeking the approval of everyone, but seeking the to be approved by one, our Father. Let's pray. Jesus, search our hearts. Would you search our hearts? What is something that we have been struggling with that we have been seeking in others what we should be seeking in you? See, ask the Father, Father, when you look at me, what do you see? What is the truth about who I am? Take a moment and listen to what he has to say. Now ask him, Jesus, is there maybe a relationship that I need to consider establishing more clear boundaries? Maybe a relationship that has been hurting me in some way, but I'm too afraid to say anything for fear of disappointing them. You can continue to pray as we move into worship. But Father, I just want to pray here with my friends and declare the truth that you, Jesus, you have set us free from these unhealthy needs. You have set us free from fear 
of people's opinions and thoughts. You are the one who grounds us in our identity as your child. And that's where we want to stand today. Jesus, would you help us let go of these crutches that we have been relying on so heavily and that we don't need to in the first place. Father, help us to find our approval in you. We want the foundation of our heart to be in you, firmly rooted. Help us find our confidence in you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, a second part of our response today is communion. We're going to share communion together, and it's a great way for us to finish this series. We can only love because He loved us first. We can only have healthy relationships because He loved us. And see, communion is the greatest expression of God's love for you and how Jesus loved you before you did anything worthy of approval. He died for you before you did anything that would make him proud. He died for you. He wasn't waiting for you to do something first. He did something first. So we celebrate uh, his body and his blood given to us. And I want to invite two people to come to each table. We have the bread and the juice, and we have four tables on the front, four in the back. And I need two people at each table, please. And I invite you to do this, not because we need volunteers, but because we truly celebrate the gift of giving and receiving. And having communion is something that we do as a family. So it's a, an opportunity for, you to for us to experience uh, giving and receiving. And if you're here with us today and you're not part of Christ's community, but you have placed your trust in Jesus, this table is for you. You're most welcome to come and join uh, communion with us. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your blood shed for us and your body given to us. Thank you for loving us. And even when we're still your enemies, you died for us. Thank you for the forgiveness we find in you today, the redemption we find in you today. We love you, Jesus. And we take these next few moments to remember your sacrifice for us and all that you have done for us. In Jesus' name.